For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. to Epic Realms. I am Nick. I am your host of the podcast. Uh, joining us tonight, he is the line producer of RPGs for Samurai Sheepdog. His name is Kevin Gleasing. Am I pronouncing that right? Did I pronounce it properly? Uh, well, technically it's Gleasing, but Gleasing. Uh, I don't oh mind. Everybody does it. It's just, not a problem at all. But at least I asked. I, I should have <laughs> yeah, verified. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I should have yeah. verified before we came on. I was like, oh, you know what? Um, if, <laughs> who knows? You never know. I was going to make a joke no, about say something about spelling, you know, first name. And I was like, well, you really can't spell Kevin wrong. It's like, right. Did I, did I, did I say it right? And then I was like, well, it's, I can't really, can't really go there. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah. So last time we talked to you guys and, and I think we confirmed off stream last time I talked to you guys, you were included in the podcast that I did when we were uh, promoting the awakened book on Kickstarter. I think it was awakened two at the time. We yeah, uh, I do believe so. It was uh, myself, uh, Eric Scott DeBay, uh, Hal Greenberg, and one other person off the top of my head who I, I think can't it was remember. Richard Lee Byers. Richard Byers, thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So since then, you guys have come out with a couple other, or you've come out with for sure one other Awakening book, The Isle of Bone, yep. correct? Uh, yes. Can you, can you for, for the people watching or listening, uh, can you explain kind of what the concept of those, those anthologies were? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so The Awakened, uh, Hal came up with this idea many years ago, and uh, the, the concept is that you take a world, uh, the world of Grimaton actually is what it's called, and on the world of Grimaton, people don't have a lot of magic. Um, instead, when you turn 19 and uh, there's a chance on your 19th birthday that you awaken into these new powers, um, sometimes it's like an elemental power, like you might be able to control fire or you might uh, awaken to an animal companion that suddenly shows up at the edge of your town and you have a connection to them that you can build and uh, go on adventures with and everything. And the anthologies take the stories of all of these different characters, whether they are awakening during the story or have awakened prior to it and tells you what they're doing in the world. Um, a lot of the stories in the first and second books are focused around an impending war that's coming. Uh, there's a king down near the south. Uh, he's, his name's King Stuart. And he is gathering awakened that he believes will work for him. And he can either make them, he can either cow them into working for him or pay them. And then he's putting them against the ones who want to fight against him and be free to do what they want and who they are. Wow. Yep. Awesome. And you yeah. did, did you do something in Isle of Bone too? I know you did something in the first and second book. Didn't you write a short stories for those? 
Uh, actually, no. Uh, so in the first book in particular, I did not have a story because the first book is kind of where I joined the team for Samurai Sheepdog oh, okay. uh, during their Kickstarter. They'd already had the book produced and ready. And uh, so they brought me in as a um, one of their tiers that they had was actually called the writing camp. Um, I'd been published previously, so I didn't necessarily want to do the writing camp, but I liked the idea behind it. And so I reached out to Hal um, and said, hey, there's this tier. I don't really feel like I need the writing camp, but maybe I can work with you guys and we can come up with something for the book two or something. And he and I talked and, and we agreed that, you know, what we ended up doing was I, I backed it and then met with them at Gen Con that year okay. uh, for the Awakened Breakfast that they did. Um, I did write a story for book two. Yep. Um, the, the story in book two tells uh, of this character. I don't want to spoil too much, but basically he has this ability where when he touches somebody, um, he becomes them and they become him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's not so much that he touches them. It's if they die within his presence. Okay. Um, so like uh, he has to avoid people who uh, he lives in an area where like sickness happens a lot and stuff. And so he might be, he might be out and around. He has to be aware of it for it to happen. But like uh, in one of the scenes, he witnesses a hanging and suddenly he's the guy that was being hanged and everyone's like, wait, what's he doing here? And they end up, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, he has to, he has to be careful. Um, but the story's, story's pretty cool, uh, I think, anyway. And uh, I've been told people liked it. So um, we have uh, we have a book three. Um, it's not quite out yet. We were working on that. Uh, hopefully, we'll get that published soon enough. Uh, and if we get more people that are wanting to see more stories from The Awakened, certainly it'll come out faster. Yeah. But uh, in well, the meantime, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we did put out The Isle of Bones. Uh, what the Isle of Bones is, is it takes um, the world of Grimaton and expands it out uh, past the main continent, right? Okay. So the, there's the main continent, which is primarily humans, um, and they really only awaken into these like little powers and, and abilities and stuff like the best, one of the more powerful characters can control fire, but they can't really make fire by themselves. They have to have fire around them to be able to do something. Okay. Um, but then on the Isle of Bones, things kind of go, they're more fantasy oriented, like more standard high fantasy oriented. So you've got orcs and gnomes and uh, other like fantasy races like that that you deal with and you see what kind of awakened powers they have. Uh, like one of the characters on the cover is a dwarf and he has the ability to create almost like clones of himself. And he can do things very quickly because he can clone himself multiple times and then they all just close back up on each other. Yeah, that's fascinating. Now the the books have run the list the gamut because there were people that I don't really didn't really recognize the names on mm -hmm. some of them. But, I mean, you had people Eric Scott we've mentioned, Hal obviously, uh, Ed Greenwood. Yep. Uh, uh, Rosemary Jones. Uh, I don't know. How to, I can't pronounce her name. Jelly Johnson. Jaylee Johnson. Jelly. Jelly yep. Johnson. So yep. just a gamut of uh, Eric Scott, obviously, Richard Byers, obviously, we've already mentioned them as helping promote it earlier. Mm -hmm. Do you know uh, how how it was to get all of those people together? Was it just like, we know these people, let's see if they want to participate? Uh, yeah. I, mean, I know um, that normally would be like probably a Kevin question or a, a Hal question, but I figured you might still know. Well, uh, from my understanding of it, Hal knew a lot of these writers and, and designers and stuff. Um, previously because he'd been working in the industry for quite a while at that point uh, under Mystic Eye Games, which was our previous incarnation. 
and um, like he had met uh, he had met Ed Greenwood uh, and he knew Scott uh, or Eric rather personally um, and several of the others he'd met and worked with at different times in the past so when it came time for him to tell this story he kind of just reached into his email and was like hey guys who wants to who wants to write a short story for this new anthology here's the concept and uh, we got we got who we got and uh, I came on later and we brought a, a couple of others with us and uh, slowly added to the pile from there. So did that with that previous game and this experience is that kind of where the samurai where it merged in and became samurai sheepdog and that got started? Um, or how did you know that? How did I'm not. That... I'm not entirely sure if that's exactly how it came to be. Uh, I do know that Hal and Ken and Doug, uh, Doug Herring, Ken Shannon, uh, those are the other two members of Samurai Sheepdog who kind of helped to found it as it was created. And uh, the three of them were previously, as I mentioned, Mystic Eye Games. Mm -hmm. And Mystic Eye Games was fairly well known for third edition content. Um, they released several things such as The Hunt, Rise of Evil. Um, they released a lot of the foul locales Okay. Uh, which are like little short adventure modules that kind of take creepy storylines and stuff that they do. Um, and the, there's just, we have a whole slew of things like the player's advantage line that they put together. Uh, one of our, one of the ones that I've heard of has been more popular um, and I've seen it too since then is the, the player's advantage rogue for third edition was a lot of fun. Um, so much so that they kind of created a small sequel, the Purloin pages. And uh, <laughs> I love yeah. that name. Yeah, I thought I, they are always wonderful name ideas, you know, and, and stuff. And I had a lot to live up to when I get when I joined the when I joined the team. Um, but uh, kind of circling back to the question, um, after they became they kind of formed Samurai Sheepdog with the idea to get back into RPGs. Uh, but Hal didn't want to do just RPGs. He also wanted to branch out into other mediums that they hadn't done previously. Um, so where Samurai Sheepdog was primarily in, originally a, uh, an RPG idea, like Mystic Eye Games, they also wanted to do board games because Ken was really big into those, and fiction that Hal really likes to do and write. Um, so they they did that, and their first lines for those were uh, The Fall of Man, which was a conversion from third edition. They were originally going to push the Hunt uh, Rise of Evil storyline into the modern Earth setting and call it the fall of man uh and then they also had the fiction line which was the awakened and the toy line which uh, ken reached out and made some deals with uh groups such as uh, whiz kids and created tournament at camelot wow i know they did have a couple funko pops that they came up with too yep which is really kind of cool yeah, we had we did for uh, for the Awakened two. We actually had uh, some custom Funko Pops built for made for characters. Yeah. Um, I have mine. He's in the other room, so nice. I'd have to run and get him. But he's pretty cool. It, it shows him. He's a, a character that's like split in half as he's changing between forms. Oh yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. You have to you have to tag us in social media. And, I will. And, I'll, and I'll put up a picture once we're done on Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned you all kinds of stuff. What is so? running the gamut of mm -hmm. different products where where I, i've seen on your site you guys have books obviously we've talked about role-playing products uh board games you guys have a board game out or coming out uh yeah so ken released with WizKids uh tournament at camelot and that's been out for for quite a while uh it did really well um apparently and actually you can find it at stores like target and stuff uh which is even cooler um 
And then uh, that led to a sequel, Tournament at Avalon, uh, which has done just as well. Um, and it still sells, as far as I know, on, on the different, like Amazon, stuff like that. Uh, and then that also opened up the doorway for him to do a little bit more of his own, like, experimental kind of stuff. Uh, we did one called The Witching Hour, which is a board game, which is really cool. And it takes the idea of um, different types of magic, both white and black magic, okay. and uh, allows your characters to kind of go through in a semi-cooperative uh, semi-opposition kind of gameplay, right? Okay. So, like, the, the goal is for everybody to survive to midnight, but you want to survive better than your allies. Okay. <laughs> so, it's it's really, it's a neat game. Um, it's, uh, it's a long play, so it's something that you want to, when you get, when you sit down to play it, you got to be ready to. Okay. But, okay. Uh, sort of like the old Monopoly games and stuff. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. What is the, the, the other game that you mentioned, that first, the first couple, the one that they did with WizKids, what is the premise of, of that game? Uh, Tournament at Camelot, uh, I have to be honest, I came in after that one, so okay. I'm not entirely sure, yeah, uh, and I haven't had the opportunity to play it, but if I understand correctly, it was a card game, and the idea is that you you and your opponent each set up sides, where you have your row of knights uh, who opposes theirs, and then you can uh, you can like make them better uh, and do certain things like that as you play through the game. Um, so you draw off the top of the deck and kind of just hope that, you know, the card that you got is one that will fit or over overlap what they're doing. Awesome. Cool. Uh, yep. Continuing on the line of gamut of things, tell me about comic books. What, what's, what's, is that something that's in the works, something that's not in the works, something that you've already um, got done? Yeah. So when we were doing the Awaken 2 uh, and, and the Isle of Bones and also Awaken Modern, which I, I shouldn't fail to mention because we did put that out through eSpec books, um, and uh, the idea was we were going to have some like comic sideline things that we were adding to go along with it. Uh, Hal had several panels created for a storyline uh, for the Awakened Two that speaks of what, that talks about one of the characters in there. Uh, I don't think we have plans at this time to really press forward with that anymore. Okay. Uh, however, again, like anything that we talk about, if we start to hear people telling us, "Hey, this is what we really want to focus on," we might lean in that direction again. Okay, makes so. sense. Makes sense. And of course, the reason you're here, let's talk about RPGs, shall we? Sure. <laughs> how, how many, not just not just under Samurai Sheepdogs, if you sure. could estimate, how many RPG uh, products have you helped create? Uh, I personally, um, you know, you'd think I'd know this off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, so at least uh, two, three six um five different settings probably close to 17 books now okay yeah um awesome. and all of them uh all of them pushing uh ranging rather from 50 to about 250 300 pages that's crazy crazy yeah. uh, i got go ahead oh i i was just gonna say uh, i kind of i i've got started in uh, publishing by myself uh with my own company north winter press uh, several years before Samurai Sheepdog even, and I was publishing content for fourth edition D and D. Um, I was one of the like three people that did it, <laughs> and uh, so when uh, when I was publishing my stuff for for fourth edition D and D, I had my own uh, world setting called Numadesi, and I used that to kind of get my foot in the door with a few other publishers, show them my work, show them what I could do with layout and right. creation and stuff, and uh, that 
over time kind of built up my my reputation with other with other writers and designers that I know now today and uh, got me to where I am. How is it that you go from, you know, you, you go from like, say, if I were to do it, it's like I've got a pen and paper and I'm sitting down and you're like trying to come up with the rules, per se, mm-hmm. of a thing. But then you got to keep in mind, like, OK, like you said, the layout, the the thing, how do you how do you go from, you know, pen and paper coming up with rules to actually putting out a book? Because there's got to be a lot more into that than, you know, people really think. Um, well, I mean, yes, there absolutely is. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that helps me a lot is I'm the only one that does it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, do, I don't actually have, I don't actually hand anything off to anybody. I, I do the writing and the uh, layout um, and the design. So I get to choose, you know, my limits as far as page count and word count, um, how the pages actually fit on the paragraphs, uh, what art goes with it, things of that nature. Um, pretty much anything that bears my name has been put together 100% by me at this point, uh, with the exception of a few things like I will get, uh, I will pay for editing and stuff like that on occasion. Because um, you want to have that good, the, the good, the good grammar. And oh yeah, I definitely and, want it to look good. Yes, right, right. That's that's what editors <laughs> so, are for. When you absolutely, when you, when you go through those, uh, especially more recently, do you now that you're not self-publishing it all the time and you've got you know samurai sheepdog behind you do they kind of look over and say this is kind of what we're looking for uh or do they like hey can we change this how does how do you guys come up with what you're going to be putting in in a said book or is it just like here you go figure it out um so in recent years hal and ken and to a to a greater extent doug have kind of taken a step back from things um to focus on life and their personal everything uh so i've kind of been writing my own a bit uh under the samurai sheepdog name and so so a lot of that stuff comes to us as uh you know what things are we focusing on um i do a lot of creation through uh requests that i get from fans online and stuff Uh, i follow various different social media pages twitter facebook uh instagram things of that nature and i look for things that people are looking for in different game systems uh be it fifth edition dungeons and dragons uh pathfinder first edition or pathfinder second edition um and i will i'll usually reach out to them either directly through the whatever medium it is uh or as a message and say hey by the way you know if you're if you're interested and you want somebody to create this for you uh here's what it here's what i think it would look like and if you enjoy that maybe consider checking out some of our other stuff that we have um you know and and that works out really well you know i mean you do get obviously you get people that are like oh okay thanks and then you never hear from them again but more often than not a lot of people are like oh that's pretty cool okay yeah let me check that out and um that's kind of where we went with uh, several of our books that we've put out now, as well as our Patreon uh, names games that we do, where I take those ideas and those requests from people uh, where now I started, uh, once I started doing that, I started to get more people coming directly to me and saying, hey, I have these ideas. I would like you to please do this for me. Um, and then that allowed us to kind of build that up and turn it into a Patreon thing where now we take requests, you know, via that. That's a great, great format. No, it's worked out really well. We're going on three years with that. We've already released two annual collections, um, working on the third now. Do you, how is it that you, because obviously most, most long time gamers, obviously Mm -hmm. I'm I'm counting, including myself on that. We'll sit down and we'll go, okay, we need to come up with an archetype or we need to come up with a, you know, this or like 
uh, we kind of have this idea for a fee, but we don't know what to do. When you're getting building something like that, what kind of systems do you have set up for checks and balances to make sure the content you're providing is is kind of balanced and not? I don't want to say overpowered, but no, it's wonderful. You know I, yeah, I, mean, I agree. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes um, you look at third party publishers and you look at it as like this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. Uh, third edition third edition D didn't do us any favors in that regard um a lot of stuff came out and every it was kind of like the wild west of game design um so many people just built what they wanted and they didn't really care what everything existed um paizo and their third party support has kind of reined all of that in thankfully and it's it's been really great like and even going into pathfinder second edition now it's been absolutely wonderful the support that they give their third party their third-party providers um for balance purposes actually uh, as it so happens uh i have a system that i put together uh i've been using the system since 2002 and it's been basically it, it is based on an old third edition book called besm big eyes small mouth uh and it's uh basically it's a d20 version of an anime role-playing game where you get so many points to build your classes and your races and stuff like that. And then your character comes out and is who you want it to be, whether it be an anime style character or a fantasy hero. And uh, I took that system and over the years have kind of turned it to my own needs and, and requirements that I've had, um, particularly when designing for fourth edition, obviously I had to kind of rebuild the system from the ground up because it didn't exist. Uh, and I did the same thing going into Pathfinder uh, where I basically took the entirety, every class that is published through Paizo that for Pathfinder first edition, I have gone through this system and balanced every one of them against 300 points. Okay. So the caveat being that using the system, you understand that it's using the rules exactly the way that Paizo intended and, and wrote them. So if you feel the wizard is more powerful than the fighter, that's great. It is okay. But at the same time, from a point system, the wizard's 300 points, the fighter's 300 points. And it, when you use those, uh, along with a little bit of uh, a little bit of the intuition that you build as you design stuff, right? Uh, over time, you kind of like, oh, no, that looks powerful or, you know, weak or whatever. And um, putting that together, it allows me to quickly throw most of the ideas together that I have and say, okay, let's build it out of 300 points. How's it look? And we'll do some fine tuning from there. Awesome. Does that work for um, other things as well? Like if you make a magical item per se, or, you know, any other items besides character classes, or sure. like even like braces and things like that? Do you have kind of a system for all of those different things? Um, yeah, for the most part, uh, I use the same general ideas. Um, so what's interesting is, it's the portrayal of things like magic items, spells, class features, racial traits and features. Um, you can find points in the system in, in Pathfinder, speaking specifically Pathfinder First Edition, you find points of intersection between them, and that allows you to do that extrapolation. Okay. So like, there might be a spell that grants you a feat for a short period of time. Okay, well, there you go. That's that's what that spell's worth is worth the amount of the feat, you know, et cetera, going from there. Uh, same thing for a magic item. Maybe the magic item grants you the spell for a limited period of time. Right. You know? Awesome. What about your guys's speaking of the the role playing and coming up with things? Do you guys have? Mm -hmm. I know you have awakened as a as a like a campaign setting, correct? Uh, yeah, we are actually we're we're working on it. Um, it has been in production for a couple years now, sadly. Okay. Um, 
And uh, a lot of that comes down to, um, for one thing, keeping the lights on, you know, uh, right. we, we, we publish stuff as we can. And if we get an opportunity to publish something that will make us more uh, immediate intake, you know, we'll, we'll kind of turn to that and pivot. Um, but uh, we do have uh, several, we have all of the custom art that we put together for it at this point. Um, we've done a lot of the layout and there's just a few chapters and stuff to work on for us to start doing like real legitimate previews on the content and everything. Any other but yes, that's the plan that we'll eventually have the, the, the awakened RPG setting. Awesome. Is that going to be set in uh, Pathfinder 5th edition, uh, Pathfinder 2nd edition? What, what system are you planning on hopefully yeah, through. so so it it is designed right now uh, against first edition Pathfinder primarily. That yeah. is the the main system that we still actually build for. Um, we've got a lot of feedback from our fans that they didn't want us to stop supporting Pathfinder when Paizo did, and so we didn't. We went ahead and stuck around with first edition, um, and then we do second edition Pathfinder, and then kind of tertiary we do fifth edition as well. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so it'll be first edition Pathfinder, um, and then if we if we hear the feedback and we kind of lean into that, then that'll be we'll also do another edition of either fifth or Pathfinder second edition. It wow. it's really depends on what the fans want and where we feel that uh, we'll get the most profit out of our our effort and work. Is there something you enjoy doing? Like when if you're given, you know, somebody goes, I need a character class, I need you know a. Mm -hmm set of this or what do you if you if you have a list of one of everything what are you going to go that's what i want to work on when it comes to certain type of thing what do you what do you prefer working on and putting together and designing um well i that's kind of a hard question for me i'll, I'll be honest i really enjoy uh writing anything i love the challenge of coming up with ideas you know um i think if anything i would have to say it's the complex ideas that people come up with sometimes for things or the very specific ideas um, that they might want to kind of pull out and don't feel that the system that they're using currently represents that character concept or idea that they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people that have requested things uh, over the last few years, like uh, somebody wanted to create the paintbrush from Epic Mickey. <laughs> and it, yeah, like, and that's actually, that's in our second annual release for for names games because it was one of our paid for requests that we did um we did a whole two and a half three page write-up of here's a magic item uh and it's called uh Dynzy's epic paintbrush and it's it's basically a it allows you to create and repair objects um using things like uh item creation or um, other spells and stuff like that. Yeah. And then there's an archetype that you can take as a bard that allows you to wield it as a weapon. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll throw up a, I'll throw up a couple screenshots of that as well. Whenever I put up that picture of the, the toy and, yeah. uh, I'll just kind of share a lot of the stuff I'm talking about right now, uh, on Twitter and Facebook for that's people. That's amazing. To see. That's really cool. Yeah. How did you, did you like start off role playing when you were really young? Uh, no, actually, surprisingly enough, uh, when I was in when I was in school, a lot of my focus was on uh, card games like Magic: The Gathering, Pokemon, okay. things like that. Uh, it, I didn't get into D and D until college. Um, I got into college, and I uh, I was invited over to one of my friend's rooms one night, and he was like, "Hey, we're gonna play some D and D." And I was like, "Well, I'd heard of it, mm -hmm. but I never I'd never played before." So he was like, "Well, come over and check it out." And uh, they gave me they handed me a ranger. Uh, he's an elven ranger. I was like level four or five, and I had a quarter staff. 
and that was my dual wielding weapon was my quarter staff uh this was third edition D, by the way it's okay. 2002 and uh i i just remember we got into a combat there were a few um the the chicken monster that can make you go turn to stone. Yeah, the cockatrice. Um, cockatrice, thank you. Uh, we got attacked by a few of those in our camp, and I remember critically hitting one with my with my uh, with my staff and like breaking its neck and killing it. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> I was like, that is so cool. Um, but yeah, that was like my first game that I ever played, and then from there I uh, went with them on a, a weekend excursion to the college where we played in the in the dining hall, and uh, from that was like um pretty much since day one i've been dming so they they were like we want to play a game but nobody wants to dm i was like well i guess i gave it a shot and that was the, the epic worst mistake problem. i could have ever made <laughs> <laughs> every gaming group's problem nobody wants yep. to gm <laughs> yeah now i now i am the forever gm <laughs> so did you before that in mm-hmm. high school or whatnot did you enjoy writing was writing yeah just uh, i've always Absolutely. Yeah, no, I've actually always been a real big fan of writing, uh, reading in general. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> it's going to sound really weird, but in the eighth grade, I, I won a, I won an award for the most books read in my entire eighth grade class. Uh, in the first quarter of the school year, I read like a hundred, I, I didn't technically read 125 books, but they had a testing system where I went in and I tested for a lot of the books I had read over the years. Um, and so I, I did 125 tests and they counted that as me having read those books in that time period. Yeah. That's crazy. I have, so, a, I, I personally have, so I have the Awakened books. I have Awakened books one and two. And okay, cool. I, Every time I see it, it's like, God, this cover is so cool and I really want to read these, but I have such a right? hard time personally. So like I do, I burn through audiobooks. Like I have an Audible subscription and my cal- my, my, my Audible is probably at two to 300 books. Okay. And I just, and I just burn through books left and right on Audible, but picking up a physical book, I, I'm like, do I have the time to sit here and read it? Whereas my wife is exactly the opposite. She'll pick up a book. And then the next day, she's like picking up a new one because she's finished the other one already. I'm like, how did you do that? My wife is exactly the same way. And and honestly, we do the same thing. You know, the, the last real book I read uh, that I was lucky enough to have read at the time um, was Stormbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. Um, and that was a an amazing book. Um, and the only reason I found an excuse to read it was because somebody had requested that I create uh, an idea from it where they did this thing called uh, breath. And the idea is that everybody in that world has um, this, it's not like your soul, but it's like a, like a portion of it that you can give to other people and they use it almost as a currency. Wow. Yeah. And so somebody wanted that. And I was like, well, okay, let me do that as research. And I was like, oh, I have to read the book. Well, okay. I haven't read a book in a while. It's yeah. been probably twelve years. <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely. What uh, if you could work on something like, mm-hmm. say, a, a book series was like we want to do some role playing uh, campaign stuff, and they, they haven't had it yet? What would be a book that you'd love to try and try and tackle? A book oh series? man! Uh, so definitely, Brandon Sanderson stuff really hooked me, and I, I'm looking forward to finally reading more of his stuff. Uh, I saw that he was looking to do some RPG stuff and I started digging around for what contacts I could make to see if I could reach out to him and be like, Hey, I do RPG stuff. Um, but, uh, other than that, you know, I, I've, uh, kind of, kind of worked with a few different, different things over the years. And, um, for 
any honestly I, I don't have any one specific series that i didn't want to do anything for uh off the top of my head um but i do like taking a lot of different worlds and seeing how they kind of inter interplay with each other um one of the concepts that we built into our book series uh the uh, books of many things uh we have three actually five technically books now for the books of many for the book of many things and what that is uh is we took and it's called the shattered worlds concept um it's like a multiverse right so everybody's big on multiverses now yep, yep. um with the with the mcu and dc and stuff like that uh i honestly did not know those existed before like a few years ago when the mcu finally started okay. making things All right. uh, i wasn't a big i wasn't a big comic fan as a kid uh but i had this idea of this uh this shared universe of things and and worlds and stuff so like the world of warcraft universe and uh brandon sanderson's universe and final fantasy and all of these things exist in this one interglomerated thing um and that's kind of where i write from whenever i create new stuff in our settings and stuff nowadays is i i build these like kind of side worlds and say oh yeah there's this there's this world where uh it's called volrin and it's all of these races fight each other constantly and and you have to you know they have different ways that they draw on their magic and create stuff and everything um and oh by the way they have these uh engineering type characters who walk around in mechs that fight each other and stuff and yeah <laughs> that's a great concept and i and so i'm a fan of fan of comic books myself mm -hmm. and i they've always like for me, continuity has always been big on everything in game role playing and comic books and books. When I watch a sure. movie, I'm like, that doesn't make sense because they contradicted it 20 million episodes ago or whatever. Yeah. So I, I love the idea of having a multiple universal, you know, all in one sort of sort of thing. It's a it's a it's a fun concept. What are some of the changing not changing tracks, but changing tracks of some of the um, current stuff that you've done the the books I, we have some of the images on our twitch stream right now cycling through pictures sure. of them and um, some of the art's just gorgeous is there anything that you are particularly proud of that you've done recently oh uh yeah actually uh, i'm really happy with uh just kind of rolling backward from from the front um our our names games patreon has been amazing um that is we we've created the two years now of annual compilations where every month i take and i put together these requests from people who who are back in the project or that i find online and i'm like oh guys you know on my patreon check out what i found online i'm going to create this and this is what it looks like now it works and uh, i'm really happy with how that's gone you know i've got a, a steady uh, or st a steady excuse me backing of people uh, about going on 13 or 14 on average now Okay. Um, which I'm happy with, you know, it's, it's not like a huge amount of people, but at the same time, I'm, ha I'm really happy with where it is and how it works. Um, also, uh, recently I worked with the open gaming network. We created the play manga D 20 and fantasy manga D 20 expanded books. Um, and then I helped them also with their, uh, occult masters book that they did, which was based on play manga D 20. Uh, Play Manga was my Pathfinder, kind of a love letter to BESM, where I started. And, uh, you know, it, it takes and it creates the anime role-playing game for Pathfinder First Edition. 
um, and has a lot of the same concepts. And it, it shows a player friendly version of the system that I use to balance everything for 300 points. Um, so anybody that comes to me and says, how do you do this? I tend to point them to play MongoD20 first and foremost, because that's kind of the starter's guide, right? Like that's kind of the beginning, hey, this is how it works. Uh, and then I'm actually working on right now a legitimate class design guide, which is more of the designer slash publisher version of that, that is more specific, not, you know, art intensive. It's more, here's the nitty gritty of how this system works and what you can do uh, if you're just now starting to publish things for first edition Pathfinder, or if you want to go back to your own stuff and check it to see if it's balanced against this particular system, um, you know, you can do that. Awesome. So, Are you playing any games right now? Do you have any current current campaigns or games or storylines? Uh, yeah, as it so happens, I am running a game for my group. Uh, my group's been together now for going on eight years. And uh, it's uh, several of us, my brother, uh, my niece, my wife, uh, and our, our friend, um, who's, I mean, she's like a sister to me, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've been playing for several years. Right now, we are playing through a uh, early version of, um, it's called the, oh, what is it called? The uh, Sailing the Steaming Seas. And what it is, is it's an adventure path written by Stephen Rashid James who is the actual writer of Lands of Thea, one of our most recent books that came out. And uh, he wants to do adventure paths for that setting. And so the first one that he did was this one, The Steaming Seas, uh, and it takes place in like the like the, the underground, right? Like the equivalent of the Underdark for that world. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in, in Thea's underground, everything is, they call it the steaming seas because that's where all of the water is from the world, basically. Uh, and so the, the, in the center of the world where all the caves and stuff have been carved out by the water and everything. And so people sail and there's pirates and, uh, you know, like dwarven pirates and stuff down okay. there. And so we've been playing through that adventure path, kind of leveling up from first to where currently eighth level. And that's a Pathfinder it is it'll be for pathfinder first edition um and it you know we may expand that to second edition or fifth edition down the road what other unique systems uh, uh boats back to the systems just speaking of that what other unique systems that you know because obviously everybody right now is doing you know die 20 type stuff mm -hmm. what uh what other I, there's a million other game systems out there are there any other systems that really intrigue you or you find particularly uh, fun and unique because they aren't necessarily uh, die 20 based systems um yeah you know i i have definitely played other systems i played white wolf for a while we had a really fun vampire the masquerade game um that actually really branched into all different world of darkness settings um that was a lot of fun and uh i've played fate uh i played paranoia that was all that was a lot of fun to play um that was more of a second edition setting than anything uh, Alternity, and I, I've wanted to try GURPS, but I don't think I've ever found a group that really had it. So, right, yeah. GURPS, uh, GURPS is my first system, very okay. first system I ever played. Was that we did uh, uh, Highlander, like, nice. like the TV series and movie. We used that because sure. there was no other system to to do where you gain power from cutting off someone's head, basically. <laughs> so we kind of did. Uh, we kind of used that, and that. So that was that was definitely a a fun, 
fun system. I definitely suggest, I haven't played it in years, but I definitely suggest trying it out. What um, what stuff you got coming out now? You got stuff coming out sooner that hasn't uh, released yet or uh, stuff that's in the works or... Yeah, so uh, sort of we do. Uh, one of the things that what well what it is is one of the uh, one of the ways that we've been doing our design work over the recent years uh, has been to kind of produce a working live version of a book, uh, and that is uh, we started it with Book of Many Things, the first edition one. Uh, we released uh, it was like sixty sixty five pages was the first release three years ago. Uh, actually, no, four years ago now. Um, and we released it at 65 pages or so. And then every month or two months or so, I would go in and I would add another 20, 30 pages, um, up until the point when it reached the 200 page mark. And then I, I went and I laid it out for publishing and printing and got that set up and, and put out there. Uh, but the, the book itself was live from that day one on drive through RPG. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's worked out really well for us. So I, I wanted to keep, I I've kept that model since then. Uh, and I do that with a lot of the stuff we have where um, we did it with Book of Many Things Volume 2. Uh, we're currently on Volume 3. And uh, we released our most recent Kickstarter, uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Lands of Thea. Um, that was, we released that. We actually had the first edition Pathfinder version of that pretty much done. Um, but with the Kickstarter, we had several um, add-ons that were put in there because of uh, stretch goals and stuff. So when the time came, we went ahead and released the first edition version of the book uh, as it was written and let everyone know, hey, by the way, we are updating this periodically. You will see new pages added and new content, uh, and we'll let you know when that happens. Um, we're almost done adding everything from the Kickstarter now. Awesome. So that, yeah, that's, that's my next goal. That should be the next thing that's completely finished and out the door uh, is the Pathfinder first edition version of Lands of Thea. Um, but we have the second edition and the fifth edition version as well that we're working to finish. That's great. That's great to be able to branch out and have it like in multiple things like that. Um, it is, you know, and, and you do get people that, that are like, you know, I, really wish you would just release a full book and i'm like well the full book will be available it'll just be available maybe a little bit later this year right but if you want to see it ahead of time consider it like in uh, like an early buy-in right you know? right exactly well that's how kickstarters work too so exactly what uh you mentioned earlier the awakened modern is that mm -hmm. a is that a role-playing setting is that going to be like a book uh so the awakened modern was we did that with e-spec books actually as a kickstarter and what it is, is it takes the story of uh, The Awakened and pulls it into modern day okay. and says, okay, so all of a sudden over Earth, we had a second moon suddenly appear. And as soon as that moon got pulled into our atmosphere, um, all of these people suddenly realized that they had these powers that they couldn't control or that they didn't know they had before. Okay. Um, one of the characters has a, an ape for a companion uh, they were, I think that one was a zookeeper, but don't, don't hold me to that. Okay. Uh, um, and then there was, there's a guy that could like make his eyes silver and do other things like that and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was just another anthology, just like okay. the other Awakened books and okay. it took place in, in modern, uh, modern earth. All right. Yeah. And the Lands of Thea you just mentioned, that's a RPG book. Yes. Yes. Lands and... of Thea is an RPG campaign setting. Okay. That's uh, what I was it gonna... is. It is a full campaign setting. It's actually our first 
uh, shattered worlds campaign setting is what we call it. So if you if you look at the top of the bar where it has Lands of Thea at the top, uh, you'll see underneath in smaller text, it'll say a shattered worlds campaign setting. Um, what that means is that that setting is tied to the concept of shattered worlds that we put together with the Book of Many Things, where um, different worlds uh, interact with it in different ways and, and certain things. And we, we make we make calls out to that uh, in the in the book itself. So. Awesome. What is the, so the Lands of Thea itself, is that a, what kind of world concept is that? Obviously, when you were talking about multiple worlds where, you know, you were talking about one might have max, and what is this particular, what is the Thea? Sure. Uh, so Lands of Thea, uh, written by Stephen Rashid James, uh, he came to me and said, hey, I have this idea for a campaign setting. And uh, I put it together with my group, his group, excuse me. He put it together with his group. Um, in order to uh, play over the years and they wanted to finally publish it. And so he he got in touch with me and we talked about the ideas and the concepts that he'd written for uh, Pathfinder first edition. And uh, I agreed, I was like, yeah, no, this, this looks like a really cool setting. Um, the idea behind the setting is that there are different countries in the world uh, that have different, um, different ruling and like concepts and stuff. So like, there's one country in the world that is very much a kind of a gothic horror setting. Um, and that's uh, the country of Zautan down in the Southeast. And they, in, in that country, the ruler was trying to win a war that he was fighting with one of the other countries to the North. And in doing so, he cast a spell that turned everyone in that country to undead, uh, turned him into a vampire, killed a bunch of his men, turned them into zombies or mummies and things like that. Um, and so now the world itself has kind of adapted to, you know, what's it like to have this country in the Southeast that's basically run by the undead. And so they, they now have trade and, and interaction and stuff with each other. Um, and they're, they're still fighting against the king, you know, periodically and stuff. But then uh, a little further to the north, there's the, the mage capital of the world. It's, it's a country that's ran entirely by a mage's council. And they basically want to hoard and study all of the different magic in Thea. Um, there's like an Arthurian country okay. that has uh, has more druidic and like low powered magic and stuff. Um, and they tend to kind of like the stories themselves kind of focus within an individual country. But then when you expand out to the world itself, there is interaction between the different countries and stuff um, like uh the the mage country for example is right next door to the arthurian country and so they have treaties and stuff with each other that, that they work out that you know they can use the magic and bring it over here and do stuff and things of that nature nice. and then the characters of course as adventurers are kind of free reign they can they get to go wherever they want and kind of muck up the stories and stuff as they go along so the kind of stuff that's in the book, do you have, like, obviously you have the, the countries and the continents and kind of the backstories. Are there, like, specific classes unique to the world and things like that in the books, uh, book yeah. as well? Uh, yep. So the, the, when Stephen wrote the book, uh, he wrote it with something like 14 or 15 different brand new classes. Okay. Um, we did end up keeping, uh, I think, 12 or 11 of them. Um, and then we added a couple others that he liked after looking through my catalog of classes that I've released. Um, and we kind of tweaked them and gave them their own version of the class within Thea. Okay. Um, so kind of like, uh, kind of like taking and applying an archetype to a class. Um, same class, 
just a few different things that are added to it. And uh, so his classes that he included were, for example, there's a Barrier Sentinel, which is a, a very defensive type class. They're very, they're armor clad. Um, they're not magical, right? So like where the Paladin is kind of a magic defense class, the, the Barrier Sentinel is very much martial defense. Um, and they focus on that in a different way than fighters, for example. So they have heavy armor, they have tower shields, but where the fighter has his uh, armor training and weapon training and stuff, the barrier sentinel gets different stances that they use with their shield, and that allows them to uh, interact with the people that they fight and stuff. Um, they're more about reactions than they are, you know, most of the time on a barrier sentinel's turn, they're going to line something up, and then when that thing happens, they're going to take advantage of that, you know, on another creature's turn, for example. We talked earlier about the whole balancing things like that when you look at something like this when somebody comes to you with something do you sometimes have to sit down and go okay well this is completely this is completely not balanced i need to fix this before going out there or is it generally do they do people generally come to you with stuff that's that's pretty pretty well put together um it back and forth it depends uh, okay. i've had i've had ideas that have come to me that they're like oh yeah i, I built this uh and it's it's based on the the monk from pathfinder and uh, the monk uh, historically is a weaker class, uh, even in the core rulebook. And so right off the bat, I'm like, ah, okay, let's take a look at that and see if it's, you know, if it needs to be raised up a little bit or something. Uh, and then other people are like, hey, you know, I really like the summoner from, from Pathfinder first edition. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a powerful class. Let's, let's take a look at that and see right. if we need to bring it down some. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I do that. And that's actually one of the things I enjoy most is, is taking these ideas uh, that people bring me in and finding out how they kind of fit into that schema. You know, um, I've done it with a, with a few other publishers classes as well over the years. Um, and that's been a lot of fun because you can see kind of where the design choices are that they make. Uh, and when you start to, when, when you get as familiar with every single one of the mechanics uh, as you have to be, to, to do this, um, you kind of start to see those those repetition of things, you know, like somebody's like, oh, I have this entirely new mechanic. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, it's new, but it's also kind of like this one, you know, so let's, right. let's, maybe we work from there and maybe it's a little more powerful, so it's worth more points, or it's not as powerful, so it's worth fewer points. You go nice. from there. Well, we're, as we're closing down here, is there anything else you guys got coming up? Are you guys uh, going to any conventions or anything now that COVID's kind of coming down? Are you guys doing anything like that or going anywhere or any any big um, events coming up? We we do not currently have any any conventions planned. Um, I think I'm waiting to hear back if the Rochester Maker Fair is going to happen this year in person. Um, last year we did more of an online setting and they did a website. So if they decide that they're going to open the doors this year for it, then I will probably attend. Uh, I, I've attended that since its inception. Um, goodness, it's almost seven years ago. And wow. uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, I, I like to go. And as long as they're doing a, an in-person show, I, I trust them to have what they need to be able to do that. Um, but uh, I, I know I'll probably try to personally attend Gen Con. Um, I might not be there to represent a, a selling point, but uh, definitely I'd be around and I'd be on social media telling people if they wanted to come by and talk or, you know, talk shop, whatever they want to do. That's great. Yep. So SamuraiSheepdog.com. Uh, it's also Samurai Sheepdog, at Samurai Sheepdog for Twitter. Uh, if people that are listening want to go, uh, they can come to our website at 
epicrealmsmedia.com, and we have links to their site, to all of their things. Uh, right here in our live Twitch stream, you can pick up the, we have the links all over the place in our chat and whatnot, so you can go to DriveThruRPG or purchase directly from their site or find their stuff on Amazon. Is there anywhere else that they can find you guys? Uh, we're on the Open Gaming Network. Okay. Um, and uh, also on Paizo. Uh, we have a we have our store set up on there for Pathfinder First Edition and Second Edition. Awesome. Uh, Facebook following? Yep. Uh, Facebook.com slash Samurai Sheepdog. There uh, we go. Also uh, slash uh, we have we have uh, the Names Games Patreon. So it's Patreon.com slash Names Games. There we have it. And I think that got did get linked in the chat for our people here live for the stream, yeah. and uh, also a link for the Rochester Make Fair Market by one of our mods. So awesome, awesome. for that. Thank you. So thank you, Kevin, very much for joining us. Uh, we very much appreciate you stopping by. And hopefully everybody listening had a great time and got some great information from you. Uh, it's, yeah, it's I, I hope so. I'm... Great to have a perspective from, you know, third-party publishers that actually does a crap ton of stuff that's fairly well known. So, Well, thank you. <laughs> so we appreciate you stopping by. And for everyone else, this has been Elphabic Realms. And thank you for hanging out with us. Hey, bye, everybody. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I do hope that you come back and join us again for Epic Realms. <laughs>